Hey guys, welcome back to the Tokes Talks podcast, a podcast where we discuss topics surrounding business, relationships, and personal development. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. I hope you guys are having an amazing week so far. And I also hope you guys had some time to meditate on the words to live by for last week, which were emotion is light. And when you feel all of the emotions, you allow greatness to happen, you know? And when we don't feel the emotions and when we block off certain emotions, we're inadvertently blocking off some of the good ones we want as well. And what I learned this week with regards to this or what really stood out to me was that risk is one of those emotions that people are usually averse to and on the other side of risk is every single beautiful and worthwhile emotion possible which is a catch-22 and which is annoying because in order to take it in order to get these things you have to take a risk and what I'm finding is that we just or I and I guess I'll say we, if you guys think it will relate to, it relates to you as well, which I assume it does. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to feel the full scope of the emotions that we're feeling. And by deciding to feel or acknowledge the fact that his emotion is light, it helps it become that much easier for us to feel the full span of emotions that we're having. So even those negative emotions, they're also light because you may feel darkness or you may feel not as bright, but what they are doing is shedding light on an issue or an emotion that you are currently experiencing and going through, which makes them light, you know? And when we're honest with ourselves and we shed light on these darker negative emotions or the emotions that bring us fear or make us feel nervous, what we're doing is allowing ourselves to go through the motions of those emotions (laughs) and acknowledge why we feel like that, get a hold of them, get a grasp of them, and then move on to the, the greater emotions that are available, right? Like love, success, happiness, fulfillment, all these great things that we want to experience, but most of them are on the other side of risk. So something I've said before that I heard on a podcast is that Everything we do is a decision and another decision can be made. And when we look at our emotions like that, in the sense that it's an emotion and another emotion is possible as well, we don't get so stuck on the fear of whatever it is we're experiencing or the fear of the possible negative that may happen on the other side. So taking a risk and experiencing failure is just an emotion that we can go through as well just and that leaves us open to taking a risk and experiencing success you know we don't get so hell-bent or hooked on the negative emotions that we're trying to avoid that in in being so adverse to them that we miss out on the positive ones because the range of emotions is what makes life worth living all the risks and the decisions i've made that have been tough that have led me to some of the greatest opportunities in my life, if it came to choosing those difficult ones again, I would almost certainly choose them again and again and again. 
because I understand that it's a wave and nothing is really stuck. So as we go through the negatives, you end up getting to another positive again. And if it's a negative, there's a chance that you get to another positive again, because we don't really get stuck. We're in this continuum and there's a lot of movement. So I really hope that that helped you guys and gave you guys some perspective and that you were able to look at some of your negative emotions and change your mind on how you feel about them and really just tap in to the possibilities that happen when we don't demonize parts of ourselves because every single part of ourself, everything serves a purpose towards the greater good of our wholeness and internalizing that makes things so much better and makes life a little easier in that respect to live. So this week I'm going to be doing a Q&A episode. So I often ask you guys to send me questions, send them to my DMs, send me an email. And initially in the inception of this podcast, I wanted to answer questions at the end of every episode. And two reasons that didn't happen. One, I didn't feel like I got enough questions. And two, I didn't want to lengthen the episodes or cut back on the message to answer questions. So I decided to compile all the questions and leave them for episodes like this, where I'll just kind of take a deep dive. So I requested questions on my Instagram and then also people sent me questions and these questions are related to business relationships and personal development, all the things that I love and all the things that you guys are here for. So there are about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine questions. I'll try to not make them too long, but I'll try to be as concise as possible and give you guys a good understanding and whatever it is, my opinion and however I'm led to answer these questions in the most beneficial way in no particular order. So these questions are going to jump back and forth between business relationships and personal development, but yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so the first question I received and okay, I keep going back and forth, but the other thing is that all of these questions, I'm not saying names. Some of them are paraphrased. Everything is anonymous because I think that gives people the most respect and also makes it easier for people to ask tough questions without being outed, you know? So the first question is, why do you think most people crave overnight success and what's the main reality? I think, or I feel that people crave overnight success because success feels good. And we are an instantaneous society, a microwave society who wants to work hard and get things 10 years from now, if I can do it and get it now, we want things fast. We, we, we want the justification for the effort that we put in immediately because that gives us the confirmation to keep going. It's kind of hard to keep going or pushing towards something when you don't even know where or or if you're going to get the results that you've been hoping for. That takes a lot of mental push, you know, to say, this is going to be worth it in the end. This is going to be worth it in the end. And you say that to yourself for 10 years in hopes that at year 10, it'll be worth it. 
it gets difficult to do that. And it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of drive and love for what you're doing to continue to push, especially when you feel like the amount of work you're putting in and the products you're, you're producing or the love you're giving to someone is not reaping the rewards that you think it should. It, it puts us in a space of desperation and vulnerability that is very hard to stand in for a long time, you know? And I feel that God gives us little nuggets of confirmation to keep us going because he understands that when you're on a marathon, yes, the destination's the goal, but when you get weak, there's always those pit stops where someone will give you water, where there'll be someone cheering you on, where someone will give you just that little bit of sustenance to get you a mile further. And when you get a mile further, you'll get a little bit more sustenance. So people will crave overnight success because it's less work in exchange for more results. And you guys know how I feel about overnight success and 15 minutes of fame. We want longevity here. It's nice to get that piece of attention, but what do you do with it after? And when attention, success, that stuff is crack (laughs) cocaine. It's crack. It feels so good that if you get 15 minutes of fame and you adore the euphoria that comes with all that attention. If you don't get it again, you're going to start doing anything in your power to get that again and to ride that high. And this can be a slippery slope where people start doing all manners of rubbish and nonsense just to continuously be in, in the spotlight or to continue to feel that, to get that fix of the dopamine of overnight success. And the main reality is, as I've said, that a lot of, it's a lot of work. And yes, you might get some overnight success or it might just seem like things pop off, but I'm noticing that a lot of the people who we think, oh my gosh, now they're so popular. If you really look back, there was a lot of quiet seasons where no one was looking at them and they kept going. And then the day it started to rain attention on them, it just poured and those of us who weren't on the journey, those of us who didn't know they existed prior to that would just be like, whoa, why them or something, you know, but that's what consistency and work does for you. And that's the reality. And if you get yourself out of the delusion of thinking, if I do this great for two months, everybody's going to see, you'll put yourself in a realistic mindset that will allow you the endurance required to be able to make it to the end of whatever it is you're working towards. The second question is, how do you stay consistently motivated and have discipline? And this question, I got it in a few iterations. And one of the sentiments that also came along with it was that it gets hard sometimes to stay consistently motivated and to have discipline. And um, I'm not going to ever sit here and lie to you guys because this is a safe space, an honest space. where I like to be just as transparent as possible because those who know me well and you guys who listen to my podcast, I think you've gotten an understanding that I'm not perfect in in any way whatsoever and that I fall off so often. And I think especially maybe more so in the 20s episodes and like the 30s, 40s, I would sometimes come on and in my greeting, I would tell you guys that I feel like I've fallen off and 
I'm slacking on myself and that I need to get back on my A game. And that's the thing. I think grace for yourself is so important. You're not going to always be perfect. You're not going to always be on your A game. You're not going to always have discipline. But when you give yourself grace to go through those motions, it helps you get back on the wagon a little easier. When you are so tough on yourself that you have to be perfect and you're not showing yourself grace or kindness, the moment you slip, it comes with this level of shame that makes it more difficult for you to get back on track. And for me, that's the thing. I'm human. Um, I have really Will I say really good? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, I have really good work ethic and I have the ability to see myself slacking and to put myself back on the right track. And I don't sit here and try to be that I work eight, nine hours a day on my business. And if you're not doing that, you're not hustling type of person. Because if I say that to you guys, I'd be a liar because I don't do that for my business. And through my faith in God and my ability to understand myself, I've cultivated a lifestyle for my work where I have balance, you know, like kind of like the four hour work week where, well, maybe not the four hour work week, but yeah, like four hours a day of work pretty much is what I consistently do. Um, Monday to Friday, I do do, I do work on the weekends as well as I see fit if I feel like there's something I need to do, but I am not tough on myself to the point where I beat up on myself. At the end of the day, I'm on a journey and there are some days where I'll wake up and I won't really be feeling it. And there'll be other little fluffy things or, um, housekeeping things that I'll focus on. And there are some weeks where I'm like, yep, you go and get it this week. (laughs) And I get everything done. So, I don't, I consistently stay motivated and have discipline by allowing myself off days and by not being so tough on myself. So I have a list of the things I need to do for the week. And each day is not ram packed with like 40 things to accomplish because I'm going to get through three, watch TV, look at the list of things I didn't do, feel sad about about myself. And the next day that sadness is going to continue, be coupled with being overwhelmed at the fact that the 37 things have now been added to the 40 things I've given myself for today. By the end of the week, I'll have a hundred things I haven't done. I'll feel like a failure and I won't do anything. Instead, I'm realistic. I give myself like maybe two big tasks a day. And when I say big tasks, these are things that will take about two hours each or give or take, you know, I give myself just two of those. I don't give myself four or five tasks that are each going to take me about three hours because I'll never finish it. I know myself. I want to spend time with my family. I want to watch Netflix. I want to relax. I want to not feel so overwhelmed. And this is what works for me. So I would say, find what works for you and be honest with yourself. Who cares about what the people are saying? Who cares what the motivational speakers are saying? Figure out what works for you and operate in that. If somebody thinks you're lazy because you're only doing three hours and you could do more, if you feel like that's all you can handle for now, stay consistent with that. And after a while, the three hours will feel like three minutes. And as you go, you'll start to add more things. You know, that's how we build discipline. Discipline and motivation are muscles. And you don't just go lift up a 40 pound weight because you want to get fit because you're going to pull a muscle and then you're going to be out of it for a long time trying to recover. Do what you can and build up your tolerance. And 
that is how you stay realistic and that's how you get over the slumps of the days where you don't where you're not quote unquote on the way you should be so the next question is what inspires you the most and when i think about this my inspiration i'd say it's it's a sliding scale <laughs> depending on where i am and what I'm doing, my, my inspiration is pulled from many different things. My inspiration is often pulled from people. When I see someone doing great things, it pushes me to want to do my personal best. I don't really feel jealousy because I'm so invested in the fact that this is my lane and this is my work that when someone's doing great in their sphere, I look at it and I'm like, damn, I hope I can hit the pinnacle of greatness in my own spe- in my own sphere as well. Another thing that inspires me is being my personal best. People don't, I have people in my life, luckily I'm blessed to be able, that I can ask and be like, do you feel like I'm falling off? And they'll be like, yeah, you're not putting in the work. But I've also gained the ability to see that within myself. Like, I know when I'm slacking. I know when I have more in me than what I'm doing. And I can push myself and inspire myself and reignite myself based on my personal knowledge of whatever my abilities are. And I'm also inspired by the goals that I set. And these goals can be small things like I want to be able to, well, I don't know if it's small, but one of my the goals that I have is that I want to be able to spend money without thinking and I'm not talking about going out and buying like a 70,000 car with $70,000 car without thinking but more so you know if (laughs) because I love cooking and I love food if on a random Tuesday I decided I wanted to eat make filet mignon and lobster tail I didn't, I don't want to have to think, oh my gosh, can I, can I afford that? I want to just be able to go out to the store, buy three filet mignon, three lobster tails and cook it on a Tuesday. I don't want my life to be centered around special occasions. I want to be able to live the life that makes me happy with the financial freedom of doing so. So if I really needed a blazer or something and it was $400, more of the difficulty would be in deciding what style I want more so than damn if I do that am I gonna have to not what am I not gonna be able to afford or whatever like and a goal like that is an important one for me another one is that I want to retire my mom early I want to pay off the mortgage and retire my mom early and those things inspire me to keep pushing because the fulfillment I'll feel when I accomplish that will be so great, you know? So those are the things that really inspire me and push me. People, myself best, and the personal goals I set for myself. The next question is, what was the hardest thing you've ever written? And this is more in terms of my poetry and things like that. I'd say the hardest things... The hardest thing I've ever written would be a a compilation of things. And I don't know if I've said it here, but I'm working on my second book. It'll probably be out next year. And when I'm writing, my poetry especially, I write from a place of my experiences. And the hardest things that I write are the things where my experiences and what I'm writing about also include somebody else maybe especially someone who I'm not in a good space with anymore, right? So 
like let's say now writing a poem that about my experience in my past relationship and the fact that it can show my ex in a certain light. And for me, there's a difficulty between expressing my truth, which I have all rights to do, and also respecting the privacy of that other person. And I don't know if I've fully figured out the balance. Sometimes the balance for me is I don't care. This is my story. (laughs) Um, If you didn't want to be a part of it, you shouldn't have done whatever it is you did. But when I'm writing something where it's not solely about me and there's other people to be considered and their privacy to be considered, their respect, the information they want out there. Those are the things that I find very difficult to write. But those are the things that are so honest, you know, because that's an experience that can't really, that is so uniquely mine in that perspective because I'm writing it from my point, but it also involves somebody else. And yeah, those are still tough for me, but I try to write from a place of this is my truth without slandering somebody. And I've also come to the fact, like to peace with the fact that sometimes the truth may sound like slander and that might just be okay as well. Um, The next question is, what does fear mean to you? And I have a five minute mind shift bonus episode on fear. Fear means to me, pay attention, but move forward. Pay attention, but move forward for the most part. Yes. If I'm in an alleyway and, or about to take an alley and I see a group of men at the other end, fear does not mean pay attention, but move forward. But in terms of like fear of progress risks and things like that, in terms of my work and my personal life, Fear lets me know that something potentially great is on the other side. And fear and I are very good friends. Like fear has been that thing that helps me pay attention. But then that's where I exercise my faith. And my faith has grown a lot over the years. And having faith has given me the ability to enter into so many amazing opportunities and swim and meet so many people. So fear is just a good friend of mine. (laughs) The next question is a personal question that, um, I summarized it and what it pretty much says is I'm nervous that my alternative career path, which is something more creative and success will intimidate men. So let me reread that. I'm nervous that my alternative career path and success will intimidate men. Any advice? My advice is something, first of all, this is something that I, when I decide to quit my job and go into entrepreneurship and do something creative is something, this is something that I felt a little nervous about, especially in the beginning when people would ask, what do you do? I'd say I'm an entrepreneur. And then they'd be like, what do you do? Like, what makes you an entrepreneur? And I was like, oh, I wrote a book. I'm a speaker. um, I have a podcast. And sometimes I'd get the, oh. And what I've learned about that and with regards to it intimidating men is that if the man is meant for you, he will not be intimidated, point blank, period. Your path is what is your destiny from God. And the person who God puts in your life as the bone of your bone, the flesh of your flesh will not be someone who you have to dim God's light for. God will not give you two things that are meant for you and, and make you 
have to diminish one in order to get the other. And I think for women, this is a very scary or a very difficult concept to wrap our heads around because you don't want to scare a guy away, but you can't scare the guy away. You will scare guys away because the thing I found with my alternative career path is that there are some men who are like, there's, I think there's three pools of men so far that I've experienced one pool of men who are like, that is so cool. That's amazing. Like shout outs to you for being able to take this risk. And I rate it like you're going to have a lot of success and I'm happy for you. That's, that's the ideal group. An, a, le- a lesser ideal group is, is that even a real job? That's not a career. You need to get a job. That's not secure where they diminish what I'm doing. That's not cute, but whatever. I don't care. And then the third group is, people who get intimidated by it, they're like, damn, she's so focused. She's so driven, whatever great adjectives they attach to me and my work. And they're like her work, she could become a millionaire next year. Like, you know, the same way some people would be like, you could make $0 next year. Some people are like, she could make a million next year and she'll be such a boss. And like, where would I fit in? And I wouldn't make as much money as her. And then they're like intimidated by it. And I could make a million dollars next year. I could make a million dollars before the end of this year. And I could also make $40,000. And that's the risk and the reward and the freedom of what I'm doing. But that is the life I'm living and that's the life you're living. And there's no reason to worry about people being intimidated. If you have the ability to buy three income properties and your dream car before you ever meet anybody who's any man who's interested in you do that because that's your blessing that's your gift and those are the fruits and the harvest of what you've been sowing do not wait for anybody to come around for you to feel like now you're able to do those things because my pastor's wife actually said it that when you block the blessings of what God has for you in order to keep a man, you're idolizing a man because you're putting your concern is what he may think of you more so than what God has put in you, which means you put him over God because you're taking your blessings and you're trapping them and locking them in a cage in hopes that when you meet a man who you assume is for you, he won't get scared away by the fact that you're, you've invested and you have businesses and you have homes and all of these things. The man that's meant for you is going to be like, damn, shout outs to her. When we join forces, this is going to be powerful, like ridiculously powerful. And we're going to make great change. Our lives are going to be great. Our children's lives are going to be great. And our legacy is going to be phenomenal. The man who looks at everything you've achieved and is like, oh my gosh, I haven't even done those things is a man who has work to do in himself and a man who's intimidated by what God has blessed you with is not the person you need in your life. And that I'm so passionate by, uh, I'm so passionate about, and I don't take lightly at all. The next question is a relationship question. I love someone and we used to be on the same page, but now we're not. And it's difficult to let go. Any advice? Um, The thing is that I wrote these questions out, but I didn't really ponder on them because I wanted it to, I read them, but I didn't go too deep into figuring out answers because I wanted it to be organic as I spoke with you guys. And as I'm speaking, more things will come to me. But this one, I'd say you need to communicate your emotions and then be prepared to be selfish in whatever way. selfishness comes about so 
love is such a complicated topic. So let me read it again. I love someone and we used to be on the same page. So that means she felt the love from him as well, but now we're not, and it's difficult to let go. So when she says now we're not on the same page and it's difficult to let go, there's not enough clarity because I'm not sure if she no longer loves him or if he no longer loves her, like who, what page are each of you on in the event? And I think the answer would still be the same. Communicate your emotions. If it's you that you feel that you no longer love him, why is that the case? You know, why don't you feel like you're on the same page? Talk to that person about it because sometimes we feel like everything's still good and that person might feel like there's no problem. Maybe things are slowing down and hitting like equilibrium because in the beginning things are fast paced, exciting and new, right? But maybe he doesn't realize that you've kind of taken a step back or if you love him more than he loves you and you feel like he's taking a step back, you still need to communicate. You need to tell him, I don't feel like we're on the same page and it's making me feel vulnerable. It's making me feel like you don't love me anymore. And I don't know if that's the case or not. And the second part of that is be selfish because if you communicate and you let somebody know where you stand and they decide that they're satisfied or cool with where things are, it's time for you to save yourself. It's time for you to put yourself as priority and put yourself first, which means being able to make that tough decision. And she's saying it's difficult to let go, but you need to, if you're staying in a situation where you feel unloved or you no longer feel love for someone, but because of the sentiment of the past, you're staying there, you're doing that person and yourself a disservice. And at the end of the day, you're blocking yourself from future blessings. You might even be blocking yourself from the person who's meant for you because you're not letting go. And you need to do that for yourself and for that person. And one thing that I'm learning is that sometimes people are in our lives for a season to teach us a lesson. And when that season is over and it's time for that person to go, we sometimes have a very difficult time letting go of them because we wanted more out of it than it had to give. But once something has been sucked dry, there's really nothing else. So we need to find a way to separate. So this is going to be tough and it's going to be a process, but really just think of what's best for you and move in that once you've let the person know, because sometimes communication can fix everything because people can't change what they don't know exists, right? So give him the opportunity to know how you're feeling and what you're going through so that then he has all the knowledge. And when he has all the knowledge, it'll give you the confidence to make whatever decision you, you want to make, because now you know that it's not you acting on a whim or not giving him a chance. You've given him a chance. And if he doesn't change, you, you act selfishly. If he does change, you continue to work through whatever it is to whatever end it's meant to have you moving on to greater or you being with him which is greater as well. The next question is, should I incorporate my service-based business? And my answer is always yes on incorporation. I'm probably going to do an episode on incorporation because I feel that this is something that's very important from the business perspective. I And in order to do that, 
because a lot of podcasts are American based. So talking about the LLCs and stuff, there's not a lot that are, that I've come across that are really talking about the Canadian aspect of incorporation. But I feel that especially when you have a service based business, which is a key point, incorporating is quite important because what it does is it allows you to separate your work from your personal assets and yes, your personal assets. So And when you have a service-based business, you're dealing with people up front. So you're providing a service. For example, you're an esthetician and you're providing a service for people. Insurance is also important there, which is something I'll get into in my corporate um, incorporating episode. But you are doing something for someone that can possibly have adverse effects. You know, if your business is just a public speaking business, Maybe you don't need to incorporate because you're, you might not have as many risks or you don't need to incorporate right away if it's still kind of starting from the bottom. But if you're dealing with people and there can be a reaction or an effect that can cause them to sue you, you do not want them to be able to get your house, to get your car, to get every single thing you own. And that's what incorporation does. Your business becomes a separate entity from you. So you as a personal individual can be worth $2 million, $1.5 million in your house and 500000 in investments. And your business might just be worth negative $10 because you've spent more money trying to get it off the ground than you've been, you've made, um, thus far. And if someone were to sue your business, they would not have access to what you own personally. And this separation gives you that freedom and also that protection because it would really suck to start a business and have somebody come for everything you've built in your life outside of that business or come for your, the things that you use for your livelihood with your family. So when it comes to service-based business, yes, yes, incorporate, incorporate. It doesn't take a lot. It's not that expensive. And the costs, in my opinion, sorry, the benefits outweigh the costs immensely. The last and final question is, how do you balance practicing self-love with expressing your love for someone you're with? And this was a last minute question sent to me by a friend. And, um, what I think is that the we f- often feel and we often get to places where we lose ourselves in the midst of love. But I feel that balancing self-love with expressing your love for the person you're with are interchanged because the best way to express, you will be able to express the best type of love when you are feeling the most love for yourself, you know, like it's the whole concept of you can't pour from an empty vessel. Well, you can pour, but the person's going to get drips. Whereas if you're giving an overflow of what you have to offer and what you're filled and abundant of, you'll be able to give more to that person. And if you're in a love situation where you have to lose yourself or sacrifice yourself to the point where you can't do anything for yourself. And I say can't, with it in mind that sometimes we lose ourselves, not because we have to, but we decide to, you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about children. This is like someone you're with. It's a romantic love situation. 
pay attention to what you need and don't get so wrapped up in somebody that you lose yourself because that's not the ultimate love. The ultimate love is pouring in and receiving, pouring in and receiving, right? Um, and that's balance. And if you find yourself wanting to give to someone at the expense of yourself, it's important to give yourself a little mental timeout and check that. There are times, of course, where balance is a sliding scale as well, right? There are times where you're going to give a little more because in that season, that person needs a little more. And in another season, you may need a little more and that person will give to you. And that is ultimately balance. Balance is not always constantly happening. It's when you look at the situation over time, you'll look at the graph and it'll be quite balanced. You know, it won't be very low or high to one end. And when you're practicing self-love, it, it includes you realizing that you need to do what's best for you at times and that what's best for you will also be best for that person. Cause that person is experiencing you and you want them to experience the best version of you. So I want you to enjoy me as a person and I want you to enjoy this relationship. And I'm more enjoyable when I'm in a B and C good mental places. So I think that's the perspective we have to keep. There's sacrifice in everything, but there's also perspective to be had. And I think it's important that if you find yourself giving in a way where you're constantly drained, you need to look at two things. One, are you with someone who's taking advantage of you? And two, are you, do you not know when to stop? <laughs> because that's another thing, right? Sometimes people are not taking advantage of us. Sometimes we just don't have the ability to stop or know where our threshold is, or we do not care about ourselves enough to uphold our threshold when we're dealing with other people. And all of this is very important. So we need our self-love of our, like our self-love will reflect positively on the people around us. Because when you're more balanced, your requirements of that person will not be things that you should be doing for yourself. And I've spoken about this, that if you require of someone something that you need from yourself, they will give it to you and it'll never be enough because it's not their role to satisfy that spot in you, right? So we need to express love for the people around us from a place of the love we have for ourselves because that will be the most healthy and most balanced way to express that love. So those are the Q&A for today. Um, I'm going a little long on this episode, but I just want to get them all out. I didn't think it was enough for me to split it into two parts. I'd rather do a whole new one with a whole bunch of new questions for that. So with that, I'm going to get right into the words to live by for this week, which were, which are be open to new. Be open to new things, friends. Our comfort zone is so comfortable and we love it. It's, it's comfortable. It's our comfort zone, you know, but open your minds to new possibilities, new angles, new way of doing things. Yes. In the past, what you've done has worked. Yes. You've seen a lot of people do it that way, but open your minds. There are different routes to the same destination. There are different paths to take. And sometimes the path that everybody's on is crowded and congested and maybe there's a different way for you to get to where you want to be so for this week just try and be open-minded something that you've been stuck in something that you've said that's how we've always done it try and find a different way of doing it and see what that does for you and see how that affects you 
Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. Have an amazing week, and I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye.